Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Wade In, brought to you by Betfair, of course, and we are talking all things Champions Day. We've got loads of racing action to get through, and as always, I am joined by the boys, Kevin Blake. How are you, Kevin? Yeah, great form, Vanessa, great form. Um, always good to be to be noted the camera's on you this time of the morning, and uh, uh-huh. yeah, uh, yeah, looking forward to the show, Vanessa. You should turn on a light there, you're looking very dark. Yeah, that's deliberate. That's actually deliberate. I'm feeling, <laughs> I'm feeling a little ropey. Um, had a had a jolly Sunday to say the least. After Ooh. a jolly Saturday, actually, as well. So all just a jolly life, Vanessa. Jolly I life. <laughs> I know it might be less jolly at Wolverhampton tonight for eight races. <laughs> um, come on, oh, come on now, come on now. I'm delighted. Love my life. Um, how are you, TC? <laughs> Yeah, not bad. You might as well carry on at the tonight. You have to be drunk to enjoy Wolverhampton, don't you? Oh, steady now. Come on. I'm going to go through the card. I've got a selection for every race. Um, they've probably, they probably only got about eight runners. So you, you, probably... No, we've got, TC, we've got full fields and we're not allowed to complain about small fields because we had excellent I, I, like, was, Champions Day as well. Like I say, I, I was looking at Plumpton today. They've got 38 runners over seven races and it's like not one eight runner race. It's like... Wow. Uh, the real racing's back, lads. The real racing's back. Jump racing. <laughs> right, look, before we all get overexcited about Cheltenham in March, let's focus in on Champions Day. Oh, um, okay. There is loads to dissect. And, of course, we are going to kick off with the Champions Stakes. Baid being defeated. Um, I was there, Kevin. You were there. Let's just start off with tackling well, the defeat, essentially, because the atmosphere, I mean, it was like someone just stuck a pin in a balloon, basically. It was pretty disappointing being there uh, in the aftermath and the connections. I mean, the interviews they did, your heart just went out to William Haggis specifically, I felt. Um, what? How do you, when you look back at the race now, do you think the ground is a genuine excuse or did he just not fire on the day? I don't know. I'd be... <laughs> I'd be wary about blaming the ground. Me too. Uh, I'd be wary about blaming the ground. I see Timeformer called it good to soft, yeah. which they did when he won the QE2 last year, you know, which they did when he when he was so impressive at Goodwood um, last year. You know, I think that there might be an element of, um, and I'm going to put a name on this. We can stick this one in the dictionary, Vanessa. We're going to call this Shishkin Syndrome. Oh, um, interesting. Okay, here we go. In, in that when you get an unex- a really unexpected defeat, connections can be inclined understandably so to point the finger at the ground almost automatically which which we got with Shishkin after um, the champions the champion chase which was absolute rubbish as we know um you know but look it did visually look more testing and I've no doubt it was more testing on the round part of the track rather than the straight that's always the case when they, when they relayed it they um they, they only relayed the the straight part of the track um but to me, it just looked an off day. It just looked an off day. He's he, he he's flesh and blood, like every other like every other horse he's ever faced, um, and he just didn't quite look the same for whatever reason. Um, but look, as disappointing as it was, and you're right, it was, it, it was real air from the balloon stuff. Um, immediately post race, we we're, we're all there for a celebration and a, and a, and, a, and a fond farewell to a champion. Didn't happen. Um, but look, it doesn't take away what, what he's done before. You know, he's a re- remarkable racehorse. Um, like every other top racehorse we're going to see for the rest of their lives, he'll be compared to the likes of Frankel, etc., which is probably a bit unfair. But he was a wonderful horse in his own right. 
you know, what he did last year w- w- won't be matched, Jesus, for a lot of God ever, maybe, to go from debut to champion miler in 17 weeks. Mm-hmm. You know, that's just phenomenal. That mm-hmm. that's that, that I, I can't see that happening again. Um, and this year, what he did at York, especially, was just brilliant. So while it's a low note, um, who knows, lads? You know, we all, everyone involved was really hoping for a big send-off. Didn't happen. He's no longer unbeaten. Is there any chance? I know it's a million to one. Is there any chance they might change their mind and bring him back next year? No. You know, it's, no. Not, a commer- it's not a commercial operation. I know it is slightly more now to an extent, but he's a, he's a sound, you know, very uh, bomb-proof in many ways horse. He could come back and, and have a full campaign around a mile and a quarter, maybe yeah. a mile and a half last season. Advertise Sheikh Hamdan's legacy for another year on the track. Um, look, I'm, I'm being hopelessly optimistic now, but... Um, it's not even hopeless optimism. You're just, you're just off your head. It's not going to happen. It's literally... Why, though? Why? Well, look, I don't know the reasons why. Look, if he was mine, I'd want to keep racing him. as I, I, you know, I would, but... They're not going to. They've already said they're not going to. They're not going to turn around and, and start r- running him like and change their minds now at this point. Yeah, nothing's it's- happened. He's he's based back in Williams Yard. You know, he'd be he'd be ridden out for another while either way. They could, of course, they could. Will they? I, I, I highly. They could. I very, they I very much doubt it, but they could. So you we'll, we'll, the we'll hold out faith. This country. We'll hold out faith. We'll hold. We'll hold. We'll hold out. Hope, you hold out that little bit of faith, then. But I will wait for the pigs <laughs> to fly across my sky before that will happen. Um, TC, we're talking about it being an anticlimax and a disappointment. Not a bit of it for you. You were team <laughs> team get by EB. You were team Bay Bridge. You were team. Oh, yeah, I yeah. don't want to be happy. So you must have been delighted. Yeah, I'd, have, I'd have been shirt off in the uh, as Kev said. I'd have been shirt <laughs> off fighting in the paddock and in all the bar- <laughs> laughing at all the Bay by flag wavers and stuff like that. No, um, <laughs> no it's, it's, it's one of these classic things, isn't it? I mean, everyone's everyone's focusing rightly editorially on on the defeat of Bay and not. What was a, a, a brilliant training performance from Sir Michael Stout to get Baybridge back from that, um, you know, that previous disappointment to win there. And yeah, I mean, Adar, I thought won an absolute screamer. Uh, the third is a horse going places. So yeah, I mean, I'd, everyone focuses on Baye, which is, you know, like maybe right and proper from a, like I said, from a journalistic point of view. But no, I, um, no, it, it was a good result like that. I mean, like, People just thought that Baye was going to go there and have a stroll. And to be honest, in the back of our minds, we all thought that. But, you know, there's a reason this goes off at, you know, 130 on on Betfair and not 10s on is because, you know, horses do underperform and, and do get beat at the end of a long season on on worsening ground. So, yeah, I mean, I, I echo your, what, you, what you referred to earlier, Vanessa, about the interview that um, William Haggis gave, uh, I imagine, across all channels. Um, he came across. He obviously he was like just completely crestfallen and just looked. He looked bewildered. Uh, but to come out and, and put it in context like he did uh, reflected very well on the man. So yeah, I mean I, I laugh and joke about Baid and you know getting him beat etc. But the way Haggis took defeat it was exemplary. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah, here, here. Real education and how to deal with victory and defeat this season. I think it's fair to say for William from William Haggis. Um, we should 
focus also on a couple of the other stories around the champion's stakes, including obviously Haggis's title hopes gone in pretty much an instant, which is obviously more disappointment for him on top of the fact the horse was beat. But as well, Kevin, um, New Bay, the stallion from Bally Lynch Stud. Obviously, they'd already had Bayside Boy winning and then Bay Bridge goes in as well. They co-own both horses. They won both the big group ones on the day. Um, just an incredible double, an incredible hour or so for the stud and the operation. And we're so used to the likes of Shadwell, Judmont and Coolmore and Godolphin, of course, sort of dominating in the sire's department. It's kind of refreshing to have New Bay in there for obviously a big operation, but not that sort of tier of operation. Yeah, look, he, he's an excellent sire. I think Vanessa, it's, it's been clear for a couple of seasons that, that he's very good and he's been getting upgrades there for the last couple of seasons. He went from from 15 grand to 20 grand to 37 and a half this year and he's going to get a fair old hike now I think coming into Saturday he only had one group one winner I think I'm right in saying in Saffron Beach and now he has three and um and two you know two big big group ones um so yeah he, he's only going to keep going one way he's, he's been covering very big quality books the last couple of years and um yeah he, he's very much on the march son of Dubawi who's kind of booting on now as a sire of sires and yeah, he, he's a he's a real one in terms of Cyrus, his new bit. Yeah, something to look forward to there. Um, let's go back to the start of the card, TC, because the day got off to an absolute cracker with the long distance cup, the group two, Trushan winning it again. Holly Doyle, Alan King, of course. Um, but what a scrappy race, a dramatic race, really from start to finish, and then a terrific finish the last sort of furlong or so but plenty of drama in and around it and none more so than holly Doyle getting two bands in one race yeah i as somebody back trushan mostly on the exchange where obviously you don't get double result because you can't because you back us in layers um i actually think he, he he was very very lucky to keep the race and we've got a question on this later from david brown so he just said it's you know it's referencing that now he said it's it's incidental, you know, where where the where the uh, where the interviews take place, or it should be, and I'm 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 agreeing with him. I mean, we're coming here off the back of the Christoph Sumion incident, etc. I mean, what Holly Doyle did there, I know uh, Ruby Walsh made up. I watched the ITV racing coverage um, on at the weekend, um, and Ruby Walsh was making the point that you know Holly Doyle was saying to uh, the jockey on the Coltrane. You know, I'm going to come across, I'm going to come across, giving him plenty of notice. But that's that's incidental, isn't it, surely? I mean, she made a very, what could have been a very dangerous manoeuvre. Uh, he clearly had to really rein back and it clearly lost him more than the winning, the winning distance. So um, why why we just like focus on the, um, you know, the, the interference being at the end being more important than the start? I mean, it's, it's totally illogical, isn't it? I mean, we had this uh, entry, didn't we, with the, with the dead heat there just saying, oh, because it happened immediately over the last, oh, it doesn't really, really matter. We have plenty of time to do it. That's, you know, that's that's ridiculous. If it happens in any other sport, I mean, you know, the the, the interference is relevant wherever it takes place. And it clearly beat, uh, clearly cost Coltrane more than the half a length or so he was beaten. So for, for us to dismiss it straight away just seems to be totally illogical. And also Holly Doyle, You've got three days for that and two days for another. I mean, the three days, I mean, there's been a lot of talk about this, obviously. The three days that she got there was incredibly lenient, considering what could have happened. And, you know, at the risk of turning our faces blue and, and, and Kev sitting in there just like nodding away and agreeing, 
because we have this time and time again in big races. They just said, I'm going to do what I want. I'm going to take the three or four days at the end of the season and I'm going to try and win this group one race. And it's it's just not good enough. If I was me, if I was a steward, I would just look at it in black and white and just say, look, interference, true shan on the runner-up, more than half a length, don't care where it was, I'll chuck him out. And it would have cost me financially, but I would have taken it on the chin because Coltrane was unlucky the way that race developed. But you're not, um, like, from if you from, from Holly Doyle's point of view, Kevin, she's going to make those manoeuvres if she knows she's only going to get one day here, two days, maybe three days or whatever. You know, she's going to be ruthless like that when, and she's going to go for the gap she wants if she knows it's not going to have a massive effect on the coming weeks and months, e.g. just a few days. And all she wants to do is win another long-distance cup on Trusham, which is exactly what she delivered. I'm sure she's very happy to take the days back. Yeah, and look, it's, I'm it's sure she'll do it again, is what I'm saying. Oh, yeah, it's the fundamental problem we talk about all the time. I'm blue in the face, as Tony says. You know, if the, if the deterrence, if there isn't a sufficient deterrent there, you know, it's perfectly understandable as competitors that they'll do this. And I'd do the same thing if I if I was, you know, 10 stone lighter. Um mm-hmm. Because this is, I agree with everything Tony says there. Like this did impact the result of absolutely no doubt whatsoever, because in in a number of different ways. Because it wasn't just the the, the material interference itself, which I have no doubt did cost Coltrane more than a head, but it was the positional benefit she gained from from causing the interference. Because if you watch the run down to that first bend, Holly is not in a good spot. She's going yeah. to get caught three wide, no cover on a horse that races freely. That's a nightmare scenario for her. But by taking the nose clean off Coltrane and the one down the inside, she's ended up in the perfect position, like down down the rail, saving every yard full of cover. Like that's a massive difference maker. She's only one ahead. And that's just the first bit of interference. You know, the second bit of interference, she, she's engineered a gap for herself, which has ended up pushing Coltrane wide as well. Um and I just couldn't help thinking to myself after the race, if I was associated with Coltrane, trainer, jockey, owner, I would be so angry. Mm. I would feel so um, cheated is probably not an overly strong word um, because all anyone wants is a fair crack. And that horse twice, especially the first time, ha- has been has been robbed of his fair chance to go and win that race fair and square. And he still made some go of it. Like, geez, I, I was full of admiration for Coltrane because uh, after all that going wrong... Turned- yeah, he's turned well, out to be he's like the way he has progressed through the ranks and now into the staying division. I mean, I genuinely think you lads at one point in the summer laughed at me suggesting that that horse <laughs> could be like a stayer. Uh, you know, like I'm not saying he's gonna be the best stayer around, but he has just progressed with every yeah. run. And this was another step forward. Yeah. And as you say, Kev, like there's only so many times he can go to the well and he's taken an absolute battering there. Yeah, it's very tough. Like, and I say that as a huge Trushan fan, huge Holly Doyle fan, etc. But you have to call it like you see it. And that, that just seemed wrong to me. Um, and like Tony says, three days for the first bit of interference in particular was highly, highly lenient. Because again, and people say, oh, well, it didn't happen. What's the point in talking about it? But what if? Um, Coltrane had clipped the heel there, come down and David Probiter got hurt, right? View, view that incident again. With that, with that consequence, and the world would be an uproar. They say this is mm. one of the most cynical, deliberate pieces of interference oh, yeah. with, with horrendous consequences that you'll ever see. And they'd be calling out for the, for the old dangerous riding rule. It's still there, lads. I know it hasn't been used for fifty it'd be, years. It'd be sumi on there. top. It'd be sumi on with a multiple. And what? Unless obviously you guys were there. Am I right in thinking 
that the waning signal was made immediately and then they yeah, had the students inquiry. Yeah, I didn't hear any bing bong on track. Oh, I didn't hear a bing because bong. I, I saw track. them yeah. on TV. I wasn't paying much attention. I saw them actually chatting about it in, in, the, in the students inquiry. But I'm pretty sure <coughs> that before that chat was made, they gave the waning signal so it couldn't affect the result. They were just kind of ascertaining how many days Hollydor was going to get. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, if they appealed that, I mean, they should appeal that and they should win. When you hammer it down, like like you say, like the, the 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 wording of the rule is fairly clear. Like did the did the winner, you know, gain did 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 the winner cost the runner up more ground than 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 was defeated by by virtue yes. of the interference? And that, that that's very clear. You know, very it's not a, it's not, it's not a marginal yeah. case. It's just the head lads. Yeah. Um, so I know, look that that's what that's what it is. That's the way they apply the rules. It's illogical to me. It's you know a slippery slope, etc. Um, the fair play to Trushan. Um, he he was so tough, but God, you'd have to feel really, really feel for Coltrane and his connections because that uh, imagine Probert, imagine how hopping he must have been. I mean, you I know? I did think that. And on Ruby's comments, like you know, oh, she warned him like that again. Like that, that's rubbish, isn't it? Like that, that's like me. That's like me holding a gun in front of you, gonna gonna shoot you, gonna shoot you, gonna <laughs> shoot you, bang, and I shoot you. I warned him. I warned you. Why did you get out of the but, way? Come on, uh, yeah, man. I didn't hear the Ruby comments. Actually, I wasn't watching on. Well, I was obviously there, and I haven't watched it back on ITV. But uh, you know, like if you are David Pro, but Jesus, I did think. I mean, you know, it's shocking when you are watching a race and immediately. You're like, oh my goodness, you know that is in. It, often you sort of see these incidents in replays, whereas this was kind of a shock. That first bit of interference was pretty shocking, as and when it happened. And I was watching it with someone, and I said, Jesus, David Probert's going to be coming in absolutely fuming with Holly, surely. And then next thing you know, like it happens again, obviously in the in the straight, and you it's, just think, well, the risk of doing this to death, and anyway. our opposition is clear, but it was a deliberate for the very reason that Ruby's highlighting. She was actually saying. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do <laughs> as you did it. So it's a deliberate act. So it's not yeah. accidental. It's not all oh, part of race riding, whatever. She deliberately came across that horse to get a better position and get cover and yeah. get a notoriously but, kind of like. But she'd do uh, it again, Tony. Sort of, That's the yeah. thing. Yeah. Going full track. circle. And and just just wider point. Like I'm nearly certain we've seen something very similar in this race in recent years. Like I wonder should they change the distance this a little bit, move it back a bit, move the start back a bit further from the bend because. Um, you're asking for trouble, you know that that close to the bend. I think was having the start there. Uh, and there, I'm, I'm almost certain we've seen something very, very similar in the last couple of years. Uh, let's move on, guys, because we have got loads of other things to cover. Um, we should mention Kin Ross in the sprint, obviously dropping back down in trip, just in rare old form at the moment. TC and went in three to one favorite. In the end, he went off over a trip that I didn't think was his ideal, but I guess in that ground, it probably is. Yeah, um, he was obviously he was really impressive, wasn't he? Um, came down the centre of the track, and it was pretty much a shoot all, all, all the rest for the rest of the uh, rest of the meeting. Um, you know, the runner-up probably brings it down a bit level-wise, but all the right horses were in third, fourth, and fifth. So maybe the runner-up just improved for again for the for the cheap pieces there. Um, yeah, obviously goes to the Breeders' Cup now. I wouldn't profess to know what the home challenge is going to be like, but I think he's about a nine to four chance to go and win in, in Keeneland. 
Uh, likely to be quicker ground there, or maybe not as soft as it is there. But as we saw earlier in the season when he beat Pogo on fast ground at York, he's not, you know, he's not just like a one-trick pony when it comes to the ground. So, um, yeah, I mean, obviously massively improved this season. He's got his group runs under his belt and just another winner for a very good, uh, a very, very good season for our friend Rafe Pickett. Absolutely, absolutely in flying form. And of course, that was the first leg of a double for Frankie the Tory Kev. Uh, next race goes in and the Phillies and Mares with Emily up, John. And great to see her back um, after that King George. Well, it wasn't just the defeat. It was a complete blowout in the King George. Um, yeah, great to see her back in top form. Not entirely sure how much the form is going to stand up. You've got a 50 to one shot in second and 80 to one shot in third. But yeah. Um, First time Hood, is it, Tony? The good start on the... Yeah, I mean, like, I mean Gosling had a, a great record on his own, So, but once he's, he's, he's teed up with his son, that's now eight from 17 in first time Hood. And we've got he likes, loves the, the first yeah, we've time got the, we've got the likes of Mimikyu, Trawler Man, high profile. And like, I always make the point about the Godolphin team. They have a brilliant record with, with first time uh, headgear as well. I'd like... I'd like, you know, it was a, there's a good betting feature in there. Um, if someone gets hold of these trainers with excellent strike weights when applying new headgear, um, back the fascinating stuff about what goes into the preparation, because it, it's clearly not a coincidence. I mean, like, you know, Appleby and Saror and uh, Matt Gosden, uh, first time Hoodstat, it's clearly not a coincidence, isn't it? And it's obviously something that, you know, punters should be launching onto. So that, you know, talk about lack of betting features. I mean, I think that would be a fascinating one, just getting behind the scenes. And, you know, Emily Upjohn coming back off a totally blowout run in the King George. I mean, that was, again, some, like Bay Bridge. It's some training performance by John and Fadie Gosden there. Yeah, Kev, where, what are you thinking in terms of Emily Upjohn going forwards now and, and the performance itself? Yeah, very talented filly. Don't know how much depth there was behind her. Um, the, the last five finishers were all kind of 11 to 1 or shorter. Like, there was a lot of blowouts. And But that said, you have to give her a lot of credit because I don't think the race really went for her. And um, We saw in the King George, like in before that, she can get very strong in her races. And she didn't get as much cover as Frankie would have liked from stall 10. So it didn't exactly go ideally for her. But she travelled, picked up, put the race to bed. Um, yeah, lots of talent in there. Um, she's coming back next year. And yeah, it'd be great to see her with kind of a full uninterrupted prep. Um, the, the hood clearly is a help to her. And yeah, sure, who knows where she could end up. Like she need to she need to up her game for open group ones against the boys. But um, yeah, she's going to be a very good filly for, for connections, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Bayside Boy in the QE2, the substandard QE2, Kev, 33 to one shot, obviously, with the blinkers applied. And I mean, I like, you could have given me a hundred quid and I wouldn't have backed this. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just couldn't see that coming. I don't know where that came. Well, I do look, look, like we know that he had back form, but he looked like a bit of a monkey to me. And then all of a sudden comes there traveling. Uh, Tom Markland asked him to go and his acceleration was was right there. I mean, it was a pretty impressive performance if you didn't know how he'd run in his last few starts, but it was slightly came from the clouds. 
Yeah, well, we, we talked about him plenty on Racing Only Better around his last couple of runs and intended runs. Um, we, you know, we, I think a bunch of us were kind of, kind of quite keen on the horse at a level and felt the blinkers would be a help to him. Judy won at Sandown. Look, could I have seen him winning a QE2? Probably not. But, you know, he was placed in a Jewhurst, was placed in a Vert Temperaturity. And like this is an example of blinkers like really helping a horse because having he's gone from having looked maybe a shade questionable to looking to looking at <laughs> to looking as game as a badger on Saturday, you know, his head was on the floor. Like he was, he was really trying and he came was. from a long way back in a, in a funny type of race. Um, I look, I haven't had a chance to hammer it myself. Simon Rollins will probably get to it before I do, but um, I'd say from a sectional point of view, it was yeah. really oddly run. Um, I think I it, saw. I think I saw the these final two or three furlongs was quicker than Kinross's. Yeah, wow. it seemed it seemed really odd watching it. Like they seemed to go steady, and, uh, and it was it was funny. It was a yeah, run of a funny rhythm. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's obviously everyone's making the point about inspiral fell out the stalls, etc. Bayside boy, you know, was really tardy. You know, coming out the gates as well. So. Well, I don't know how the you know how the race you know panned out throughout, but I mean I wouldn't be underestimating that. I mean you know the yeah. horse. We did, I mean I was massively against Inspiring in the race, so that was that was good to see her blowing out. And you know I I did have a little bit on Bayside Boy as well as well as a few others. I mean I did most of it back on the Revenant each way, but um, yeah I was I was massively massively improved by that. I mean I might be speaking out of turn here, but I'm pretty sure when Ryan rode this horse when it was. A disappointing and and as Vanessa alludes to again, he did look very problematical at Goodwood, didn't he? About there, I mean, I think Ryan might have got off there and just said blinkers, longer trip, softer ground. Although it was this was a mile again, so yeah, the blinkers have made a massive. Game. I wouldn't be underestimating that performance. I mean, that was that was really impressive, and I don't know how they what they're going to keep it in training, etc. But you know, even the Sandown run, you know, was. It's worked out really well. I mean, the, mm. the second was second in the Balmoral, the third Escobar's come out and won a good handicap. So, yeah, he, he was a big, big drifter on the day. I mean, the, the sports book were keeping him on side all week, basically, boy, only going 12 to 1. And I think he went off at a bet per SP of 40. But, um, yeah, I, I was really taken by the performance. I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be dismissing that as a 33 to 1 shock. Yeah, and just with regard to Inspiral, Vanessa, obviously a great amount of focus, hot fav, missed the kick quite badly, a lot of focus yeah. on that. But like TC says, like the, the winner was slow away as well. And after 100 yards, they're literally upsides each other. Um, you know, and Bayside Boys ultimately run down two very good horses that were bang up there all the way, whereas Inspiral couldn't really make a big impression. So um, I, I wouldn't like to underplay him now. And the Blinkers might just have transformed him into, into a, a proper horse. And a post race note there is Jadumi came back lame um, oh. after after running the cracker to finish third. Yeah. He ran um, a belter. I was really rooting for him. I thought he yeah. was going to win it from the front. And a few yeah, people he, were putting he, up tempers each way, and that lost two shoes as well. So that might be that might be you know to an explanation there as well. Yeah, just hope Jadumi isn't too badly hurt now because sometimes when they're it's generally quite a bit worse when they're found to be lame like immediately post race. Yeah. Um, rather than the next day, so hopefully it's nothing too bad. Um, it'll, it'll, I assume it'll finish his season, but it'd be great to see him back next season because he's developed into a, into a very good horse. In fairness to him, 
Right, well, that wraps up uh, the majority of the racing performances we wanted to talk about on Champions Day. And before we go any further, let's take a pause to have a word on Safer Gambling Week. And also to pause because I've left something on the hob. Hang on. <laughs> oh, <Jesus. laughs> For Betfair, the fun is in the fairness. Fair means power to the players. It means a way to play where you're in control. That's why we've created online tools that allow you to manage your spending with deposit limits or give yourself a safety net by setting a limit on losses. To learn more, go to safergambling.betfair.com. Sorry, everyone. It was my stewed apples and I could smell them burning. It was not good. <laughs> last, oh, yeah. Yeah, last night, Dates was stuck in the kitchen wanted to get out of the How can we can't open the, the door? The, kitchen, the kitchen's a new sofa for the uh, previous night's hangover. Yeah. I, I said it was a jolly Sunday. It wasn't a wild Sunday, TC. <laughs> How do you uh, like those apples? I, I just, I just uh, thought you were probably dating a clown, that's all. So. <laughs> Uh, you know what I say about clouds with big feet, don't you? <laughs> TC, you are in outrageous form today. Um, big socks. Guys, let's talk about a few other racing performances from the week. Um, let's go to America. Big the soft. American Grand National Boys. The American oh. Grand National. Hewitt for Shark Handling. Um, I mean, Kevin, a word on this guy and this horse. What a... We all know the story. 800 quid buy wins the... Oh, you hadn't heard. Yeah, yeah. We all all know the story at this stage. But, like, to go over to... And what he'd done so far over in the UK and Ireland, fine, brilliant, wonderful, nice story. But to go over to America and to do what he did and win in the style he wins by, like, I just love it. Only Shark Hamlin would be doing this with a horse. Yeah, well, well, doing it with a horse this good. (laughs) Because, you know, I think after what, what he was in the process of doing in the Kerry National of a mark of 163. I, th- I think at fairs, pretty much everyone that had a horse like that would be going for, you know, the grade one at Down Royal, um, you know, in, in, in a few weeks. Cause that would, cause he looked, he looked a grade one horse, but fair play to him. He did, he did the, the punchy thing, uh, went for, went for the spin to America. You only live once, go over and enjoy yourself, have a crack, be adventurous. And I'm sure he absolutely bolted up. And they all look to have a a, a magnificent time over there. <laughs> uh, and fair, fair play. Like it, it's a punchy thing. Like there has been a good few Irish runners in this over the years. Yeah. Um, nothing, nothing like this class. Um, and and you know, we plenty of old favorites in behind there, like Song for Someone, Belfast Banter, Global Citizen, you know, some lovely horses. Um, and, and he absolutely bolted up. And he's just a very good horse. Like he I I, I gather. Because I, I know um, Joseph sent one over to this race kind of five years ago, um, a horse called Catnap, and he ran okay. But I kind of the conclusion coming away was, yeah, you need a very specific type of horse for this, like a very kind of a a smaller nippy type of horse, ideally. And I think that's what Hewick is by all accounts. You know, that's when you hear Shark talk about why he was so cheap. You know, it was essentially it was small, small, yeah. unfashionable pedigree. Was able to walk, took a chance on him. It's quite, and, um, yeah. The uh, if you go on um, on on Twitter, there's a good interview with the American in, uh, presenter interviewing Shark about why he's called Shark and stuff like that. So I think he got more than he bargained for. Actually, I, I didn't know why he was called Shark actually until I <laughs> until I saw that he was on it was on about hurling and stuff like that, and he said cut the head off the shark because he obviously big old uh, 
shark cannon was causing all kinds of grief. And uh, <laughs> I could see the presenters, I, the American presenters' eyes were rolling. So, what's he talking about? Yeah. Uh, it was good sport now. Uh, fair yeah. play to the shark as well because like the like sharks young lad Paddy who who oh. um who was leading up the horse and, and rides him out etc he's very much on the pony racing scene at the minute and, and would have been best pals with, with Jack the Bromahead so you can imagine it's been a, a really difficult time for, for, for all of them um since that tragedy so um, fair play to Shark. He kind of was, you could tell it was a kind of a, a very much prominent in his mind, and he made mention of it in his interviews, which was a which was a class touch. Um, yeah, there's a very emo- that very emotional interview post race. It really are. Oh, we should okay. mention Gordon Elliott had a double on that card as well, didn't he? So yeah, Gordon's been a, a regular at that meeting for for a good few years now. They love um, that trip. <laughs> yeah, I can't blame them. It's like they, they get very well looked after. I'm sure it's 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 great crack by all accounts. Can you imagine Elliot and Shark uh, after <laughs> after winning a, after winning about hundred grand and sixty grand. Can you imagine? Honestly, it's actually after? terrifying that sort of night out. Yeah, that, that's, some, that that's night something out. we should do now. I don't know. That I can't remember. Can't recall if it always clashes with uh, with British Champions Day. But maybe that maybe that could be our. Our wade in racing trip next year. Head over to Far Hills. Never mind your Par de Vici, lads. Head over to Far Hills. That's where the real yeah. action is. I know. Nowadays. I know one thing. I, I know. I like to take the piss out of everyone on here, but I might rain back. I mean, I wouldn't like to get a clump from the shark. That's for sure. <laughs> no, <please, laughs> well, uh, you probably you'd probably see it coming from last week. In fairness, now <laughs> he's massive. I can't think he's too fast. <laughs> you get plenty of warning, TC. A bit like Holly Doyle gave David Prober. Um, <laughs> <laughs> anyway yeah, that's one person I won't take the piss out of for having ginger hair right. uh, let's, there's a load of other talking points sort of away from the horses uh, that we want to get stuck into let's give a mention to William Buick obviously crown champion jockey big day for him and I really get the impression Kev that he might he's sort of got the bit between his teeth now to go again next year because this year obviously with the help of Charlie Appleby going abroad with plenty of nice horses He's kind of managed to get the balance right of, yes, doing loads of meetings here in the UK, but also being able to take those big group ones, go on those trips abroad, go over to America. He seems to have got the quantity and quality balance spot on this year. And Um, I feel like he's hopeful that he'll be able to do that again next year. Yeah, was, but look, you have the elephant in the room. Like it was easier for him this year because Oshie Murphy course, was, was suspended, obviously. So it's easier to get the balance right when you when you're not when you don't have a close pursuer. But um, no one's going to begrudge him this, are they? You know, there no. would have been like he 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 kept his counsel the last couple of years, um, but there would have been a, a bad taste in his mouth, I'm sure, um, having been nipped the, the previous two years, given what we subsequently found out. Um, with regard to to Oshin's tra- transgressions, etc., that that uh, could and probably should have resulted in suspensions in each of those two years. Um, so look, he's been made wait. Um, it's well established, kind of how brutal these you know close run jockeys championships can be. So you can imagine how sick he was the last couple of years. So we won't we won't begrudge him. What was essentially a victory lap um, this time around. You know the widest winning margin in, in a jockeys championship for a long time. Huge amount of goodwill around Ascot for him um, from inside and outside the weighing room, I think it's fair to say. Um, mm. So, yeah, what, what can you do when you pass on your congratulations? He's a he's a proper pro, uh, world-class jockey, and, um, yeah, uh, very, very much deserving to have his name on that trophy for, for the rest of history. Yeah, I hope he wants to give it a good kick next year when Asheen is back and, you know, we'll have a real sort of 
title race to follow hopefully in the latter part of the season if everything goes to plan um i just always think it adds a bit of interest as did the apprentice jockeys title race between benoit de la sayette harry davies obviously benoit lifting the trophy in relatively comfortable fashion i think was he five clear of harry davies in the end but again in a good narrative to the end of the season, TC. And I think in those two boys, obviously Benoit's had his issues. Harry Davies comes across as one of the soundest blokes around, really good in front of the camera with the media. I think, you know, we've got a good clutch of young jockeys coming through the ranks at this stage. Yeah, obviously history is littered with uh, with, with claimers who kind of like disappear after, the, you know, their, their advantage is gone. But, you know, hopefully, and obviously with the backing of the Gosdens, the uh, for De La Sayette and Harry Davis has, you know, got Andrew Boarding and, and others on site. You're two very talented jockeys, but the proof of the pudding going forward is is how how widely they use once the, once the claim's gone and and up against all, all the others off levels. But yeah, I mean, uh, Harry Davis in particular is is, is impressed me on numerous occasions this season. But mm. like I said, yeah, I'm, we'll, we'll yeah. see how they kick on uh, when it's off levels next year. Yeah, I would agree. Continually impressed with Harry Davies, but the Benoit lifts the title. Um, let's talk about Ascot attendances, Kevin, because obviously there's been a trend. It's been well reported within racing on race courses this summer. Um, attendance figures have been dropping across the board. And we witnessed that again with Champions Day. Uh, there was 23,872 attendees falling below the 25,324 from last year. Bit of a surprise given, well, it's not a surprise given the trend, but it is, I suppose, given the fact that, you know, you have the world's best racehorse running on the day, going out, go, looking to go out on a high. Obviously, that didn't happen, but I thought that this would be a bumper. I thought, you know, we'd see plenty of people through the gates. I thought Baid would add something to the gates, and that hasn't happened. How, how worried should we be? Uh, we shouldn't be worried at all. Um, the world's best racehorse is all well and good, but if you, if you can't pay your rent or your heating bill, uh, you know the world's best racehorse isn't much good to you. Um, you know that's the bigger picture that we can't lose sight of here. I know we can be in a bit of a bubble, especially these big race meetings, which you know uh, the wider world maybe doesn't doesn't necessarily apply as rigidly to. But you know it's very difficult to avoid. Like it's, it's stark for for me. I, I'm spending a good bit of time in the UK this this year, uh, probably more so than than recent years with COVID, etc. And yeah, it's it's stark. It's stark. And yeah. um, and that's just that's just the reality we're in. And there's not this we love to beat ourselves up in the sport as all oh, the falling attendance figures, falling this, falling that. That's the wider world, lads, and that's we're just gonna have to cope with that. Um and look look go like going forward for me, like I think this this is gonna be a wider trend. We're gonna we're gonna find it more difficult to get big audiences in. Um look, we need to look after the people that come in better. Um, we need to work on making racing the best television product we can you know because i think i think we're going to be increasingly relying on people that are that are tuning in rather than turning up and um i suppose that the last thing you want to do then is is um take the mick out of your customers by maybe extending one of one of the world's great race meetings an extra day when it's completely unwanted and unnecessary but we, we, that wouldn't happen would it i i, I totally agree with Ken. i mean you know if you're on a variable mortgage rate you know you, you, you know your, your payments have doubled um if you the, the heating you know increases have kicked in at the start of october i think they're doing quite well to get twenty three and a half thousand. i mean the tickets range from 37 quid to 93 quid apparently um and that's obviously 
before you've got your travel, your food, your drink, etc. Um, I think that's I think that's probably a very good figure. Um, I mean, the, the opposite end of the spectrum here is: Did you guys see the shots from Australia and the Everest with the like the crowd? Oh, wow! There? Yeah, incredible. I mean, like it is. Inc- I look. I'm not look like. Obviously, the Brits get terribly offended if anyone sings on a race course. And just for anyone who hasn't <laughs> seen this, I was going to say the same yeah, thing. <laughs> for anyone who hasn't seen this, this is a clip of um, yeah, was it before or after the race? I don't know, but it's obviously in Australia, and there must be—I wouldn't even know the figure of people there, but there is just a sea of people in the grandstand, in front of the grandstand, right up to the track, and they're all singing "Sweet Caroline." <laughs> Sounds like my idea of hell. And they're really enjoying themselves. And there's a young, <laughs> vibrant, diverse crowd. And somebody tweeted just being like, the difference between this and what we have here up here in the UK and Ireland is just they might they might have a government not... to uh, for them to be happy to be able to sing. But just one point on the audiences as well. Well, obviously the, the ITV were the viewer figures weren't great. But you know, when we're getting people you know, race, I've always said this, racing's biggest strength is also its biggest weakness. You, you know, on Saturday, you didn't have to use your armchair, you ain't, you could have it, watch it on a racing DV, albeit on a congested you know, schedule with five other, with four other meetings. Sky Sports Racing with you guys, or you could watch on ITV. Now, you know, you know rate, the race, sit-at-home racing punter is very well catered for in terms of, in terms of, you, you know, you don't, you can watch every single race and it's basically, you know, free to air, isn't it? So, yeah, I would. I, I wouldn't. The sport and and Ascot shouldn't beat itself up over twenty three and a half thousand. Given like given the current climate, and then you don't have to leave your your front room to be able to watch all the action, and you don't miss anything if you're watching at home as well. So yeah, I it wouldn't. Like, wouldn't like, like I, I've talked about it for years. Like I, I, people like you get people with the complete opposite view, but like for me, like I really don't care about attendances. Like you know, it's great that the, when there's an atmosphere on track and you feel it and you appreciate it, etc. Um, and you know, but that's that's really only applicable to the real big days. But like day to day, I don't care. You know, that's that's for the race courses to worry about. That's their P and L sheet. That's that's all that matters there. Like in terms of the overall health and vibrancy of the sport, it's not something. It's not a measure that I would use to 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 assess that. Like racing for me is a made for TV sport. It really is because. Like, like TC alluded to there, like if you're sitting someone down in front of you and trying to make the case to them, here are the reasons why you should get into your car and go racing. And when you weigh that up against the, the, the benefits of staying at home and watching it on TV, like it's a difficult case to make. And like I, I've felt for years that racing itself now, not, not race courses, racing itself, we should be leaning into making it the best TV product as possible. Uh, as it can possibly be and, and it really isn't right now because you turn on the tv on a saturday and the races are all on top of each other like you, you could have the best pundits of all time there but they're not getting the chance to talk a lot of the time and especially on racing tv to be to be frank um and it, it, we're not making it a really good tv product you know i think itv do, do a super job you know the the core audience might disagree to an extent on that because it's too broad for them but yeah, we we really need to focus on making this the best television spectacle we can. Like more cameras, you know, more innovative coverage, because that's the future. You know, the future doesn't depend on us getting ten percent up or down audiences. It, it's ten percent up or down watching it on telly for me. 
Well, we're, yeah, no, I would, I would agree with much of what you've just said there. But what else have we got to cover in this? Uh, national, national stud new recruit Stradivarius. Apparently, that's on our running order. And um, 10K is his stud fee, Kevin. Were you surprised by that? Did you think that was about right? Will he get any business? We saw him parade very um, at, on Champions Day. He looks an absolute pitcher. We know what a sort of racehorse he was, but are, is anyone going to send him mares? Um, look, I, I don't want to pour too much water on this, like because it's you know it's their horse; they can do what they want. But if he were, if he had been sold to a commercial national hunt stud in Ireland, I don't think he would have been standing for much more than five thousand myself. And he, he might have had a chance of, of people taking a chance. Look, the issue here, look, if you're, if you're not familiar with, with the dynamics of the National Hunt um, stallion market, um, it, it might, like, he, he's not over big. You know, that that that's logical. You know, that's why some National Hunt breeders might be reluctant to use him. But it, seem, it might seem like a funny thing, but National Hunt um, traders and breeders are very odd about the colour of the horses. They don't like flashy chestnuts. The market does not like flashy chestnuts. And he's a flashy chestnut. And if he starts producing a load of flashy chestnuts, um, breeders aren't going to be happy. Uh, and, you know, it's, I don't get it myself. I wouldn't I wouldn't subscribe to it. But that's a thing. And as someone who recently had to sell a National Hunt foal, there was a flashy chestnut. And they literally, <laughs> people would come to, the, come to the box and you literally have the horse halfway out the door. And I say, oh, no, thanks. I put it back in because it's a chestnut with loads of white. Doesn't make it doesn't make a ton of sense to me, but it is a thing. Right. Um, so look, I think commercially it's going to be a struggle. Um, uh, perhaps uh, Bjorn Nielsen will will buy a bunch of mares and send them to him flat on National Hunt to give him a bit of a chance. It'd be great if he got a chance because a, a a wonderful racehorse like him deserves a bit of a chance. But look, you can't you can't hide from commercial realities either. And I think at ten thousand. They're, 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 and I hope I'm wrong, but there mightn't be a long queue of uh, commercially minded breeders looking to looking to use them. I think you might be right. Unfortunately, the weird and wonderful world that is breeding and its bizarre quirks, no flashy. Especially, especially National Hunt. The National Hunt market is so strange. I bizarre. find, it, I find um, it so strange. They just want big bays, big dark bays with no white. Yeah. But anyway, um, let's move on to questions, shall we? There's a couple of other things on our running order, but we are running out of time. We want to get a few of these questions in. So I think we should move on. Um, Ascot Interference, David Brown. We've already covered this, but we'll give you a check. Uh, why, when inquiries are done, is it only towards the end which is taken into consideration? The move before the turn on first circuit where she got banned for imminently cost Coltrane the race, but that would never be considered for reversing the result. Why should be all about interference? Well, David, we have covered that and we agree with you that that should be taken into consideration more. Um, Ascot Paddock, Martin Richards has asked, an observation from being at Ascot yesterday. I was astounded by the number of people in the paddock, 90% of whom weren't owners and trainers with runners <laughs> in the next race. Surely the scenario is going to end badly soon with the potential of a loose horse likely to cause serious harm. Well, I, you know, the, the sky position at Ascot is wonderfully poised to see who's in the paddock. You know, it just overlooks the paddock. And I spent a lot of time looking over the rail and I spied a Vanessa Ryle in the paddock a number of different times yesterday. Were you, were you uh, representing anyone, Vanessa? Were you an owner or a trainer? I'm not an owner or a trainer, but I was <laughs> there in a working capacity doing a role. So, uh, no, Vanessa I, I, aside, I, I, obviously, but if a horse did get loose and wipe out, 
you know, 90% of the paddock, it would probably take out everyone in racing that I don't like. So, yeah, <laughs> oh, I'm all for that. No, I, I, I do jest in Vanessa's case, but uh, I do laugh because we were standing there yesterday in between in between being on air. And uh, the comment was made just before the big race. Like, God, when you look down in the parade ring before the biggest races, you will see the greatest class of chancer and spoofer knocking around and some somehow managed to wiggle their way in. Was, was Barry all there with his blue suede shoes on? <laughs> Barry was tiptoeing around the paddock, wasn't he? I, well, in, in a working capacity, of course. Plenty of people there that are there are most definitely not, not working. Exactly. Most definitely shouldn't be there, but have managed to uh, to get either 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 sneak in or, or get or get a badge off someone but i thought this next question was quite interesting and kev it's going to you actually because it's about the irish but the irish at ascot paul o'hare has asked one irish flat horse at ascot under 10 to 1 it is the opposite to jumps a below average year for irish flat racing it is an interesting comparison isn't it no and it is it is a fair point um you look at the the current highest rated horses in ireland list and 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 it's it's a small bit bare at the top um you know and that's a function of, of Aiden you know not having a vintage bunch of three-year-olds you know the list will always be dominated by him but um you know bar you know he took out state of rest there obviously prematurely retired and and you know he, he was the highest rated horse in Ireland at the time and you know you, it just looks a bit bare so look we start again next season and hopefully this time next year there'll be a, a better bunch and certainly looking at Aiden's two-year-olds at the minute you'd be hopeful that uh, it will be a much stronger bunch next year come on the two-year-olds we've banged on about them so much this year that if it's not a really good year for the three-year-olds next year I'll be so disappointed but anyway um Baida Ascot Daniel Foley has asked on a scale of squid moisture <laughs> ranging from <laughs> damp to damp to wet how much of an effect does Baida getting beat in what we all thought was the biggest challenge have on his on on the way his career will be viewed generally. I'm immediately blocking him. Anybody who uses the word moisture should be blocked. Okay, well, <laughs> on a scale of squid moisture ranging from dry to damp to wet, <laughs> I would suggest that in terms of the way we view his career, Daniel, I would go with damp, damp, definitely damp. And I, in terms of how he's viewed at stud, no effect at all. I'd go dry, very dry. Yeah, I'd be with you there, Vanessa. Look, on the, based on... The dampness scale there. I think the case for keeping him in training next season is clear. They've got a right to wrong now. They're going to bring him back. He's going to be unbeaten through all the top uh, mile and 10 furlong races, culminating in a beautiful send-off. Uh, Paris Longchamp and the Arc de Triomphe. Wouldn't that be magnifique, Vanessa? Dreaming, dreaming you are. Um, <laughs> yeah, dreaming. We've, got a, we've got a question on an Ascot ride, which I presume you've looked at, TC. Richard Ward has asked, thoughts on Buick's ride on migration in the last? Yeah, I mean, it's, there's a lot of hard luck stories there because they all gravitate towards the far side. He was particularly unlucky, uh, got in a lot of trouble, travelled really well throughout the race, went to the rail, shutting him there. Um, I think if the jockey was more urgent, you could have got your each way money if you backed him each way. But yeah, he's one, he's probably one of the premier hard luck stories in that race. So unlucky. Okay. Slow Gosden starts. Damien Wright has asked in Spiral, the latest after Tardy, you know, Tardy being kind, disastrous start on Mishrip and Lord North. What's going on? Basically flagging up a few Gosden horses who have been slowly away recently. High profile horses too, Kev. Is that just coincidence? 
Probably. Look, some of those are, are kind of free going types. Like I, I suspect uh, I didn't get a chance to ask him, but I suspect Frankie kind of half wanted to miss the kick on spiral, just uh, not by that much clearly. But sometimes with with with, with living breeding things, when you press a button, you don't get the exact extent extent of response you want. And I, I say she maybe um, she answered him too strongly. There would be my guesstimate. Okay. Uh, the QE2, Preston B. Sharp has asked, how weak was this year's QE2 stakes when the winner had not won above listed level this season until winning the QE2? Well, we've already covered that. And the yeah, boys people love generally... saying things like that. It was the same yeah. thing with Bay Bridge. Oh, he hasn't won a Group 1, you know, but, but despite the fact that he put up a Group 1 performance, you know, in, in a whatever it was, a Group 3 at Sandown. Assess the performances that. It's not the greater race. Come yeah. on. Baiso Boy had a lot of Group 1 back for him too, so it doesn't help yeah, the boys have already flagged up that they think it might be form that worth hanging on to going forwards. Ascot Wi-Fi, Ash Simmons Journalism has asked, how can race courses look to improve signal slash Wi-Fi issues on race day? Last week, we had the Chepstow fiasco. You'd need a miracle to get any service at Champions Day. Even bookies were affected. And that is the same for a number of tracks. Betting and day's experience compromised. I would agree with that. I was on course at Ascot. You have to sort of log in and out of the Wi-Fi. You have to flip from 4G. You have to put your email in about 20 times. It's all a bit of a nightmare. I do not know what the answer is, Ash. But as you say, it really does affect the race day experience. Not only can people not use the internet, but on top of that, like you can't communicate with anyone. It's just all a bit of a nightmare. I heard it was bad. It, yeah, it's, it's a massive issue, and they have some. They have they have some websites blocked as well on the Ascot Wi-Fi, and I know the Race and Post site is. Pretty That's much only your dodgy on, ones. No, it's pretty much unusable um, on on an iPad. We'll say, and like you say, it's grand. Like you say, oh, Wi-Fi, just use your four G. But when there's a lot of people around, you know, your your data can often be extremely compromised. So yeah, I, I think the Wi-Fi is something that they could they could certainly look at because this year I've, I found that very ropey and when you when you when you're working there on live television and you're relying on your internet signal when it's a bit messy it, it can lead to some uh, not ideal situations do your work but, write it down and take notes to the track quite yeah, but, quite yeah, yeah, let's move yeah. on to on course each way terms paddy has asked how can rails bookmakers expect any business that there are fifth three places in the 18 runner champion sprint tc uh I did ask before I came on here. I didn't really get an answer if that was representative of all on-course books. Now, we've all got sympathy with on-course books because they've got massive overheads, et cetera, et cetera. But, yeah, I mean, of, of course, you can get five um, maybe better odds if you shop around. But I've got a lot of sympathy with them, but I don't think there's any reason why they couldn't at least be going four there. Yeah, exactly. Um, Champions Day appeal. Deja has asked, so after 11 years, has Champions Day really captured the imagination of the racing public? Back end of the season, ground usually soft, horses feeling the effects of a long season, not exactly optimum conditions for what's billed as one of British flat racing's biggest day. Well, this is the question we ask every year, isn't it, Kevin? Yeah, we could, could, be, could be talking about the ARC meeting, you know, same thing. It, yeah, it's, it, it's, it's all about expectations, isn't it? I mean, that was a that was a really good day's worth of uh, days of racing on on Saturday. It's clearly not, you know, probably what they would like it to be, but it's still a, a very good day's racing, and just just celebrate it for what it is, not what other people would like it to be, which it clearly just, is. Just put down oh, the poly last, track, lads, and it'll be grand. Last question relating to Champions Day. Um, no two-year-old race on the cast. Dil Dylan Braithwaite has asked, why isn't there a two-year-old race on the card? Surely the Verton could be moved from Doncaster. Six races seems one race short for the quality of show. I'm sure Art will be very accommodating there, won't they? 
Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they go down pretty badly there. Their Doncaster's one of Doncaster's big races. Um, a few other questions we can cram in before our boss gets cross with us. Joe Larkin, I know it's common knowledge that horse racing is merely an expensive hobby for owners, but with the sheer mass of Godolphin's global operation and given the breeding operation attached to them, is it possible they as a business are operating at a profit TC? No, no. <laughs> Kevin, no. <laughs> yeah, well, well, they have the, their their accounts are published in Ireland every year, and it often it often makes the papers every year. And yeah, yeah, it's a it's a heavy loss making operation. Suffice to say, yeah. Oh, wow, interesting. Okay, Anthony Ryan has asked Kevin, you can have this one too. What is procedure for taking a ticket to go last in the stalls? Our trainer told us is at the discretion of the stewards. If so, surely that's open for manipulation or favoritism. Yeah, I don't like the system. I don't know how often they use their, their discretion. You basically go into the the, the the waiting room before racing and say, yeah, I want a ticket, which basically means you get permission to be loaded last um, and you only get three. And then you have to go do um, a stalls test thereafter. Um, I don't like the system. I know why it's there, but we, we mentioned it loads of times. You know, I think the, the system in the UK and Ireland gives too much leeway to dodgy loaders. Um, if it were me, I'd load them first. And if you don't go in and if you can't stand tough, you know, part of the race, the rest, the guys, the horses uh, and their connections that do the job correctly um, shouldn't be punished because you're a dodgy loader, in my opinion. Yeah, you've always been making that point, to be fair I, to I love labouring a point, Vanessa, but, but, but I think they're reasonable points when I do labour them. You love that, yeah. No, and they are always reasonable in fairness. Um, I Spe- think speaking we- of which, I didn't get a chance to go on a rant about the Five Day Chapman Festival, but uh, my column about it this evening is about it. So if you if you want some venting, you can direct your attention there. There you go. There you go. Direct your attention to Kevin Blake's column coming out this evening. Um, look, guys, I think we should wrap the show up. There's a few questions that we haven't managed to get to, but TC, you'll answer them, won't you? Yeah, I will do, yeah. All right. One of enthusiasm. Jesus Christ alive. We've had nice no, 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 no. If people take the trouble to email in on a Sunday, then I'm going to answer them. And like yeah, say, be- begrudgingly. No, 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 no. Nothing begrudging about me. If I don't want to do it, I won't do it. Right. Well, look, guys, it's been a pleasure as always. Have a very good week. Stay cheery, TC. I worry about you over there and your little misery. Oh, there you go. You've just cracked a smile. Now that we're on YouTube, you see, people can actually see quite how miserable TC is throughout the duration of the Everyone podcast. says that, but nobody gets me. Nobody gets me. Nobody understands me. You need, you need, you need emojis, Tony. You need emojis. Yeah, really people, need, people, need to, people need to know when you've got a wry smile. Yeah. Right, guys. Um, <laughs> call this one emojis and lols. Yeah. <laughs> and, lols. and I uh, throw like, up in my mouth when people, <laughs> people do that. Yeah. See, please. Um, okay, that's it from us. Have a good week, everyone. Thank you very much for listening, as always. And we will be back on Thursday with Racing Only Better. But for now, it's goodbye from all of us. <laughs> <laughs>